Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Our title is Continually Thanking God. Hebrews 13, 15 is our opening text. Let's read it together. Hebrews 13, 15, by him, that is Jesus, let us therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How often? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Notice the word continually. Now, I thought about that, and I thought, well, why does God want us to offer praise to him continually? Is he on an ego trip? Does he need to build self-esteem? Does he want us, does he want to hear us keep saying, you're so good, 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 you're so wonderful, so wonderful, so wonderful. To be honest with you, it's not for him, it's for us. It's for every single one of us to continue to hear us say that God is good and he's been good to us. To remind us of the great things he has done for us in this life so that we don't get off course with him and follow a path that can be destructive to our own lives just like the Israelites of old did. They did that very thing because they lost their sense of thankfulness and gratitude to God for what he was doing in their lives. And so we want to avoid that. Now there's much to be said about that trek from Egypt into the promised land. And what took place along the way, we'll hold that just for a moment. But first, let's talk about sacrifice just for a moment. The sacrifice of praise. When you sacrifice something, it's something of value that you have that you give. Could be your life, could be your finances, could be your time and energy, whatever. But it's something that is dear to you. If it's an animal sacrifice, for example, we have a couple of puppies, uh, Chloe and Jackson. I wouldn't want to sacrifice either one of them because they're valuable to us. But when God asked for sacrifices, it was a lamb without spot, without blemish that was to be raised by the owner for the purpose of sacrifice. And it meant something to the people that gave it as a sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, there were five offerings that were to be offered up by the Hebrew people. The sin offering, trespass offering, the peace offering, the meal offering, and then also um, the peace offering. All these offerings, sort of the burn offering, all they were supposed to be offered up to God as a sacrifice. That sacrifice could be an animal sacrifice, but also could be, for example, a meal offering would consist of fine flour mixed with oil that would be baked in fire that would give an aroma, a sweet-smelling savor that would be pleasing to God. When I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, we drove by to go to school every day, Schwabel's Baking Company. And every time we would drive by in the morning time and that bread was being baked, oh my goodness, the smell was out of this world. Just absolutely wonderful. It affected you in a powerful and positive way. Well, this is exactly what they were doing, offering meal offerings before the Lord. It was a sweet-smelling savor before the Lord. Think about that. Keep that in your mind till we get to the end of this message. We don't offer those kind of sacrifices. We offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. The fruit meaning the life that stands behind its praise is one that really knows what God has done for him or for her. And therefore, we express our praise with lips filled with a life full of gratitude and thanksgiving. That's what we offer. Let's get back to the Israelites. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, here we have something written for our admonition to benefit every single one of us in this life. We look at the first four verses. Let's read those first. 
They came out of Egypt. They're headed toward a promised land. And here's what it says. Moreover, brethren, I would not, you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Okay. What does that mean? They're on the same level playing field. They have all things equal. They have the same redemption, the same deliverance. They all came out with silver, gold. There was not one feeble among their tribe. They had all things equal. No one had any advantage over the other person. They had it all. Look at the next verse, verse 5. But it goes on to say, with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, what does it take to please God? Faith. Without faith, we can't please him. And what is faith? Believing what he said. And what did he say? I'm bringing you out of Egypt from slavery. I'm going to take you through the wilderness into the land of promise. Past, present, and future blessings were theirs. That's what he said. What did many of them, or the most majority of them, believe? You brought us out to slay us, to kill us in the wilderness. That's not what God said he intended to do. They focused more on their circumstances, their present circumstances, which caused them to experience an ungrateful heart, a heart of ingratitude. And as a result, they fell victim to their unbelief. Their ingratitude affected their behavior as well in the wilderness. And it brought judgment upon their lives. Look at the next verse, verse 6. This is what's important about this. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So notice it says it's our example. It was written for our admonition so that we could see what they did and not make the same mistakes that they made. Verses 7 through 10. We see as a result of ingratitude and not maintaining their focus on what God did for them, is doing for them, and would do for them. They just went about doing what they wanted to do themselves. Neither be idolaters as some of them were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither commit fornication as some of them committed. And fell in one day 23,000. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur as ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. So he talks about as a result of losing their focus and not maintaining their focus and not having grateful, thankful heart, they got involved in just doing the, what they wanted to do, figuring there's no, no sense to it. There's no need to do it. Why? We're just going to come out here. We're just going to die right here in the wilderness. So, so what? What can I be grateful for? What, what can I be thankful for? They lost sight of the fact that they were delivered, that he was present with them to protect them and keep them safe and provide for them. And that he had a promised land for them that was wonderful that they could enter into. So they took their eyes off that and got their eyes on their present circumstances. And it affected their behavior and it brought judgment upon their lives. Look at verses 11 through 13. And this is what's important once again for us. And all these things happened unto them as an example to us. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Whoa. What is that saying? No one is exempt from failure. No one is exempt from falling. No one is exempt from sinning. No one is exempt from missing the mark, making mistakes, doing things in their lives that displease God. There isn't one person. And if anyone thinks that, you're in a bad place already. No one is exempt. Goes on to say, there is no temptation taken you but such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so he's letting them know, look, 
You can live this life if you stay focused. And God will be there to help you and point the way of escape. But it's up to us to follow the example established and set for us by our Lord and avoid doing the things that they had done. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, because this brings us to where we're at right now in celebrating the Lord's Supper. Remember, 11's after 10. He talks about their mistakes along the way, right? Now, in chapter 11, he talks about something that we need to heed. And here it is. They're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And when they get together, they're going to do it in a way that displeases God. Because they're going to lose focus also. Now, remember, the Corinthian church already had a lot of issues. How many of you know that? A lot of issues taking place within the church. And I would say most churches are the same way. But here they come together acting as if, hmm, we got it all together. Look at verse 17. Paul says this. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Coming together to celebrate the Lord's Supper was supposed to be for their better, not for their worse. So adding to what they've already experienced they are now going to do something that makes it even worse. They're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper with the idea or the thought that all is well with my soul. And that's not always the case. And so what they were doing was wrong. Look at uh, verse 20 through 22. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one takes before his, his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? You despise the church of God and shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So what he's saying is, look, you've come together and here you are. What are you doing? You're ignoring what the whole supper is all about. You've got your little cliques. You've got people over here, people over there doing this, doing that. You've got poor people over here that you're ignoring completely. You've got rich people over here and they're eating, drinking, they're getting drunk and all that. You've got all this activity going on within that assembly of believers upon all the other things that you're already doing and you think that it's okay and that you're living okay. Then that it's right. Well, it's not. You're not coming together for the better. You're coming together for the worse. You're making it worse for yourselves. And then he goes on. Look at verse 23 and says, this is what it's all about. And this is our admonition because this is what it's all about. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had what? Can I ask you a question? This is really something I got to look into more. Why did he give thanks? He's going to die. Was he giving thanks that he could lay down his life? Or was he giving thanks that God would raise him up? He's about to die. A horrific death. But he gave thanks. He gave thanks, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me, after the same manner also, meaning he took the, the cup and did the same thing, he gave thanks. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Keep that up there, the last phrase. You show the Lord's death till he come. Three things. You show the Lord's death till he comes. Death is past tense. Show is present tense. Till he comes is future tense. We see all three tenses involved here. What we're doing here involves three things. His pa the past, his death, present, we're showing it, we're living it, and his, the future, he's coming. He's going to come again. So, we're to focus on the past blessings, 
so that we can maintain walking in the present blessings, so that we could be guaranteed of being ushered into the future blessings of our Lord, the blessings he has for us on the other side in glory. Look at the next few verses, starting at verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily or improperly shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. For let a man examine his neighbor himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks judgment, that word damnation means judgment, to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. So proper participation really produces blessings. Improper participation produces what? Not blessings, judgment. So to properly participate in the Lord's Supper we're to recognize all three tenses. The past tense, we've been delivered from the powers of darkness. We've been delivered from sin and death and Satan and the miry clay. Every single one of us has the same redemption, the same deliverance, the same inheritance. No one has anything better than another. We're to focus on that. We're to remember that. Remember that it took his sacrifice in order for us to be delivered. And then number two, the present. Let's skip that for a moment. Let's go to the future. We all have a destination, all of us. It doesn't matter what we think or what we believe or what anybody else thinks or believes. We're not going to live on earth forever. We all have a final destination. It's going to be an eternal glory or eternal separation and suffering. And that's the bottom line. There's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun, and that's all there is to it. No matter what a person believes, there are those that say, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in life after death. It doesn't matter what you believe. Don't believe in gravity. Just don't walk off a tall building. It's real, no matter what a person thinks. We all have a future that he wants us to focus on. And what is that future? We all are going to have an opportunity to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be rewarded for the things that we've done for him on this earth as we lived our lives. So we live with this thought. In the past, I've been delivered from an awful, awful spiritual death. It took his sacrifice to do that. I'm headed toward a destination which is eternal glory. And thank God for that. But in the middle of that is our present life here on this earth. I am to be so thankful for the fact that I've been delivered from that death and I have a place with him in eternal glory that it motivates me to live my life in such a way so as to be pleasing to God while I'm living my life here upon this earth. Every single one of us, in order to maintain that kind of lifestyle, has to maintain a focus on where we've come from and where we are going. If not, we'll lose sight just like the Israelites did and live our lives in such a way that could be displeasing to God. And that's why I am against this excessive grace teaching. It makes people think that everything is okay no matter how you live or no matter what you do. That is not what the Bible teaches. God was not pleased with them. And just because they made sacrifices, I want to show you something here. 
oh, they continue their sacrifices. Like, we could do the same thing here. We'll talk about that in a moment. They can continue their sacrifices. You know, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the meal offering, the peace offering, the burn offering, all those offerings. They can continue doing them. But let me show you how God viewed their offerings when they weren't living right. Look in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 11 through 14. This is from the New Living Translation of the Bible. So if you want to get back into your Jewish roots and heritage and you want to start uh, practicing these sacrifices, I mean, you can if you want to in offerings, but read this first. What makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord? I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from blood or of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgusts me. Notice the incense. It's not a sweet-smelling savor, is it? As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they are all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. Ah. Ouch. So here they are going through all these rituals and God's going, gee, what a stench. Boy, that's awful. Boy, that's terrible. Okay, look at the one in Amos. How about this? Let's add this. Again, the New Living Translation, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and your solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice an endless river of righteous living. What's he telling them? Play as loud as you want. Sing as loud as you want. Bring your animals and slay them and offer them if you want. It's not what I'm looking for. It's not what I want. I want a heart that's surrendered to me. Let's look at what he wants. Look at these verses here. It's not an animal. But number one, what he's looking for is a sacrifice called obedience. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 15, 22 and 23, New Living Translation. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. So what's he looking for? You know what the fruit of our lips is? When the life is lived in obedience, praise comes out, and that's the fruit of it. In other words, you're expressing the fact that you're living a life that pleases God and acting out in obedience to Him. And you see, and that's the motive of your heart, and then you praise Him. And that's pleasing. It's like a sweet-smelling savor. Look at number two, showing love and knowing Him. Look at Hosea chapter 6. Showing love. One says showing mercy and and also knowing him. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more 
then I want burnt offerings. In other words, take some time to learn of me. Learn of my heart. Let my love manifest in and through your life that you could love others, show mercy to others, be kind and tender-hearted, etc. So he says, I want you to know me, and I want you to show love, and that's above offering any ram, any animal sacrifice, any turtle dove, pigeon, lamb, whatever it might be. Number three, doing what is just and right. This is Proverbs 21, verse 3. The Lord is more pleased when we do what is right and just than when we offer him sacrifices. He wants us to do what is right and do what is just. And that's more pleasing to him. Number four, a broken and repentant heart. And notice in Psalm 51, this is David. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer you, offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. David knew what, he was, what God was looking for. This is when he had sinned with Bathsheba. This is when he killed uh, Uriah, if you remember. And then, of course, he gave cause for the enemies of the Lord to really speak out against God. And he says, this is what you're looking for. A heart change in a person who is contrite, who is repentant. Someone who really wants to show God that he's sorry for what he'd done to displease him. And then, let's go on to the next one, our original text. Hebrews 13, 15. Giving thanks to his name. In other words, get so caught up in this. Giving thanks to his name. If it's the fruit of our lips, we'll tell you what it is. By him, therefore, let us offer to God, offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of his lips, our lips, giving thanks to his name. And as we mention his name, as we, with the fruit of our lips. In other words, one who really understands what it means to call him Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteousness. It's from the heart of a person that says, I understand what it took to make me righteous. I know I'm his masterpiece. I know I'm his finest design. He's crafted me by the blood of Jesus Christ. And every single one of us is his masterpiece. His workmanship is his masterpiece. He crafted us to be who he wants us to be in Christ. And every one of us has the same, once again, playing field. No one has a better righteousness before God. It's all the righteousness of God in Christ. And that's who we are. So Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteousness, I praise you with joyful lips. It's not your righteousness, it's not my righteousness. That's his filthy rags. He's given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The oil of joy for mourning. Think about it. That's what he's given us. He has crafted us to be what he wants us to be. He's made us what he wants us to be. We are his masterpieces. That's who we are. Jehovah Sidkenu, thank you. Jehovah Shalom, you're my peace. The word Shalom in the Hebrew, it's all inclusive. It includes anything and everything that touches the human life to be brought into harmony with God and his will. That's what it means. That's why I thank you. Jehovah Shalom, you are the Lord my peace. Jehovah Shama, you're here. You're ever present in my life. The fruit of my lips, I give thanks to your name. I recognize your presence right here. 
And oh, how important it is that he wants us to know that I'm right there. I'm by your side to uphold you, to help you, to defend you, to fight for you, to empower you, to equip you, to do what you need to do. That is whatever it is he's called us to do. To stand against the enemy, to stand against the works of the flesh, to stand against uh, the world and its system that's falling apart. Jehovah Ruah, hear the Lord my shepherd, I shall not want. And when we say that, I praise you, Jehovah Ruah, hear the Lord my shepherd, I don't want for any good thing. Why? Because you are the one who leads me beside the still waters. You are the one, and so on. You're the one. It's the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. And then Jehovah uh, Mekadesh, the Lord our sanctifier. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Jehovah Shul, uh, Ruah, or Rapha, the Lord physician, our great healer. And the list goes on. Al Shaddai, the God of plenty, you're more than enough. You're my shield, my buckler, my exceeding great reward. You cause my enemies that come against me one way to flee from my, fa- my face seven ways as I hearken diligent to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is pleasing in your sight. That's who he is. That's the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. And it becomes a reality in our lives as we declare it, proclaim it. And then finally, Look at this last one, doing good and giving to the poor. Verse 16, right after 15. But to do good and to communicate. The word communicate there means to give to the poor. Forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is what? Well pleased. He's well pleased. There are many other sacrifices he's well pleased with. Children, obey your parents to the Lord. This is pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And so on. But these are just some. But the point is this. We all need to do an examination, a self-examination, and see to it that we're lining up with what he's provided for us. If we are certainly looking at what he's done for us, what he's doing for us now, and wants to do for us in our future. The past, he delivered us from all satanic forces and powers and sin and and a separation from him forever in a lake of fire. We've been delivered from that. That's what this means. That's what is represented here. Secondly, as I live my life here upon this earth, I am empowered by this to live a life that's pleasing to God. And you know what? That doesn't mean we're perfect. He's changing us from glory to glory every single day of our lives. We miss the mark. And you know what? We should never be judgmental or critical of anyone because we all miss the mark and we all need forgiveness and we all need mercy and we all need cleansing from all unrighteousness. And number three, we have something to look forward to. Why do we live this life? Because we await the day we'll be glorified and be with him in eternal glory. Amen.